before we begin in earnest. Yeah? There, there is a problem. There is a minor problem. Oh no. Yeah. I got too much fucking mints again. Oh no. Yeah. Mints is in mince meat or you've got too many oh. mints? Oh, it's mince meat. Oh. It's mince meat. If it was if it was, you know, tree bores or something like that, fisherman's friend. <laughs> some sort of, of mint mint, there wouldn't be such a time limit. <laughs> right now. Basically here's the thing. You know I set up that company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, Fish Chuck Solutions. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? It was it was doing all right, you know, we're the problem's problem. Good marketing. Right. And and I thought it was a sound business model. Consider problems and try and solve them. Sure. Imagine problems and then yeah. imagine the solutions. We had limited success with solving the problem of do we know whether or not lizards adequately revere the fact that they will be eternally damned if they don't straighten their act up. So Gecko Hell definitely got them to clean up. But the solution to the problem, is there enough mints, was wrong because it wasn't a problem. There was enough mints. There was enough mints. There was enough mints. Yeah, we have emptied a farm. Oh, oh dear. We've emptied a farm, but we filled some dumpsters. <laughs> You're going to have to find some creative uses for the stuff. Yeah. We tried an alternative to a ball pole. Oh. We were like, you know, get them little ball poles at McDonald's. Hard plastic bowls, and you want kids to drown in them? No, let's get them drowning in something soft. Why not mince meat? I've got an idea. I've got an idea. You mix it up with some glue, mm-hmm. and you make a new, even more terrifying equivalent of the cornflake homunculus mask. Mmm. Meat bonding gel would be uh, a top-of-the-line product. I mean, there's a problem being solved. Yeah. We don't have... We don't have a refreshing meat gel. Meat bonding gel. That's what I said. Meat bonding gel. Now we do. Mix up some glue with too much mints. Ooh, mints. That could be the tagline. (laughs) Oh, mints. Yeah, you know... You know those adverts I make... And put them in the gym position now to ruin everyone's morning. There was one about mints, and it said we've made too much fucking mints again. And that one was the one real one. And everyone thought that was a joke. And all I got was people saying, oh, I like it when you go, ooh, mints. But I'm like, no, that's a tagline. The number's real. Call it. That's real. Get this mints off my hands. That's legit. It's starting to attract. I mean, with a tagline like... Ugh, mints. <laughs> like, with a tagline like that, how can you not shift that mints you need to get rid of? Oh my gosh. Surely it'll be flying off the shelves. <laughs> you might be a modern 1950s housewife watching Monday Night Raw and then a commercial comes on. Oh, mints! And then, you know, she turns around and says, Oh, Terry, we should get some mints. And Terry goes, ah, I don't feel like it. Well, see, you know, if I was watching the telly and someone was like, Oh, mints. I'd be like, well, clearly that person has so much mints that it's a real problem for them. Yeah. I bet that they're going to be willing to let it go at a steal because, you know, they have an exhausting amount of mints. I'll, You know, I bet they'll pay me to take it off their hands. Yeah, if I see written in baby shit yellow on a screen, We've made too much fucking mints again. I'm going to think to myself, "Oh, cheap mints." Yeah. I could, I could, I tell you what, I could do with that. I could smush it up into a burger. Could put it in a play-doh factory. 
Or a pog maker. Oh, you could. You know, either or. You could put it into one of those things where it's like a little plastic shell and then you press it and it's like, ah, the mince is coming out the top of it like it's hair now because it's been pushed through the holes. God, mince hair. Give it a little mince haircut. Oh, God, that would be basically the thing. (laughs) So anyway, the point of this podcast is, you know, this many episodes in, this many years in is that I've got too much fucking mince again. Because I didn't mention this is this is not the first time. The one thing Fish Shark Solutions has not solved is the problem of me trying to solve mince-based problems. If you are a Podquisition listener and you're in need of some cheap half price mints, just let us know. Quarter price, tenth of a price. We'll get, we'll give it to you for 90% off. The problem that we keep running into is that the solution is more mints. Well yeah, I mean it's like a Godfrey Ho film, except you replace ninjas with mints. Because that was the that was that like every film God Ho has ever done is like white white guys in Halloween costumes, clearly because it's got ninja written on the front of their <laughs> masks. With names like Daniel and Greg. And (laughs) seriously. And the problem is always ninjas. And the solution is always more ninjas. So I think we should adopt the Godho method to our mince-based problems. Fight fire with fire. Fight mince with mince. Exactly. You're telling me that ninjas are both the cause and solution of all of life's problems, basically. Unless it's mince-based, yes. Unless it's (laughs) mince-based. Gotcha. Yeah. It's an apropos... um, yeah, it's an apropos, I'll just say it quick, it's an apropos uh, comparison, really, because the mints, or at least bits of it, is starting to turn as white as those ninjas were. I love that you struggled so many times to say apropos when apt was really the <laughs> <laughs> I may not be able to say my significant vocabulary, but I will flex it nonetheless. <laughs> Welcome to Podquisition. We're we're 326 bloody episodes deep into this show about video games, ostensibly. It's about mints now. Oh, mints! I mean, you can can make it about mints if you find a mints-based video game that you can justify in the topic list. There's a reason to talk about mints. What if we did get mints as in mint mints? Fisherman Friends or Treeball, right? Or Polo if you want. That could be mild flavour because we crush it all up and then mix it up with the mints and then you market it as f- fresh mints Ooh. mincy fresh <laughs> oh right see i was gonna insist we got onto video game chat but imagine marketing the burger that cleans your teeth <laughs> it's oh. it's disgusting and healthy <laughs> ground mints and mints with mints <laughs> oh that's a flavor profile. <laughs> It'd be an FBI profile if I fucking sold it. Conrad, I'm gonna put you on the on the witness stand. What have you played this week? Well, um, alright. So I played some Fall Guys season four, just a smidge. Oh yeah. Right? Just a smidge. Mm. But that's enough for me to bring it up so you get to do most of the talking. You've seen oh, my Oh, I see what you've done here, Conrad. I see what you've done. So yeah, season four started. And uh, I played it a little bit on stream on Monday night, and I played a round of it just now while we all were talking about mints. Ooh! (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I I mean, it's more Fall Guys as far as I'm concerned. Now, you actually 
have played the squad stuff, which I haven't touched. Yeah. So my notes are really more limited to I really like the new race level with the pinball stuff and the gravity. That's super oh, cool. Yes. That's yeah. really fun. I also like but have not yet mastered the lap race. Oh, I'm real good at the lap race at this point. So tips for the lap race. Uh, you know, there's the downward gravity bit where you're trying to get over the uh, rising and falling barriers. Right. Keep an eye out. Some of them will have upward gravity. Oh, okay. Yeah, I figured. I got that sense, but I just couldn't ever spot it. Just keep an eye out for the color coding. Mm -hmm. uh, any that are blue, you can just leap over the thing even when it's fully up. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the uh, Well, and that's not usually where I get hung up. Where I was getting hung up was the uh, twisty blocks at the beginning. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I, I like that, and and, um, ah, gosh, I think there's another one that I played, but I, I can't remember them now. So, yeah, but there's squads now, right? Is that what they call it? Squads? Yeah, squad mode. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll do my like, overall opinions on season four and then I'll get into squad mode specifically. But um, I've been really digging the new season four uh, stuff they've added. I think they added seven new maps and at least for these first few weeks, like they did with season three, you can just jump into just the new content. Yeah. It's all thematically like very 80s neon future aesthetic this time round. But I think they've done perhaps the best job they've done with any of these seasons since season one of adding in new mechanics that feel distinctly different from things they've done in the past. That level you mentioned that's sort of an obstacle course that has a whole pinball mechanic at the end mm -hmm. I think is a, is a really good example of that. They've got lots of gravity changing mechanics that change how your jump works which are really nice. There's a few really nice twists on some existing mechanics. One of them is an obstacle course where there is a platform that you have to stand on that is moving and it is moving through an obstacle course and you have to avoid obstacles that it'll bring you past. Sometimes you'll have to deliberately stay on certain sections waiting for the platform to reach the other side before you can progress and there's a lot of people fighting over. There's a very limited amount of space here to stand on while we wait for the platform to return. Everyone have a little bit of a fight. It's a really um, varied execution of all stay on the thing. There's a really nice new one that I've been enjoying. The new team-based mode. Each team has a certain number of batteries, and it feels very like Splatoon. It's basically if you're holding a battery, run over squares on the floor and they will turn to your team's colour. And you are trying to paint more of the floor your colour than the other team can manage. Uh, you can steal batteries off other players so that you've got more people um, lighting up the floor than they do. Yeah, I'm very much enjoying the season seven new content. Well, and there's some remix stuff too that I yes. I noticed also. Like there's a rollout race. Yes, which is very cool. Oh yes, yes. So if if you've played any of the previous levels that have the sort of big cylinders that roll, this one is get to the other end of the finish line, but it's a bunch of cylinders turning at different speeds in different directions, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, possibly the most interesting thing that they've added in there at the start of Season 4 is squad mode. You can do this with other people that you know to play with, or you can just get paired up with randoms, but the basic idea is you still play with 60 people in the original starting pool, but those 60 people are split up into teams of four, and... You know how in most of Fall Guys, it doesn't matter when you get over the finish line so long as you get in before the cutoff? In squad mode, it does matter when you get over the line. So they have a scoring system within teams. Uh, for race-based games, it's typically whoever's first over the line gets 60 points, whoever is second over the line gets 59 points, 58, 57, going down the list. 
at the end of the race, they tot up your team's points. Whichever team has the fewest points that team gets kicked, you move to the next minigame. It's really nice being able to play through four guys, and if you have one bad minigame, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get kicked out. The way that they have balanced crowns as rewards for this is that if your team gets through to the end, which is considerably easier because you essentially have 75% less competition because you've only got a quarter of as many teams that could be the winning team, you basically get a third of a crown. Everyone on the team gets a third of a crown each, which, like, three wins in squads, you'll get a crown. I don't mind that as how they've broken up the progression. It seems easier enough to get squads wins that it, it'll add up pretty fast anyway. Yeah, I really like the balancing of how they've got squad mode set up, and I, I kind of want to mess around with it more. Hmm. So yeah, Fall Guys Season 4, I've put like maybe five hours into it so far. It's the most intrigued I've been in getting back into Fall Guys since I got really into it in Season 1. Huh. So yeah. Huh. Alright. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much enjoying season four. It's more Fall Guys. Yeah. It's not shit yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who else has played something this week that they want to talk about that isn't just in its use to get me talking again? <laughs> oh, fine. Go on. Dish the dirt. Dish the dirt on what you've been playing. Alright, so it's another game that, that, well, Laura, I know you've been playing a bit of this, so maybe you'll have some thoughts. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Undermine, I, I, uh, at your suggestion, I did get into that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's a pretty neat little game, isn't it? It is interesting. I, I talked to Jim shortly after uh, I'd started playing it, and I said, yeah, you won't like this. <laughs> I stand by that. I, it is, uh... Mint. Yeah, it's mint. Coming from Hades, it's, it's rough. It's no Hades. <laughs> no, it is not. And that's... That's fine. It doesn't need to be. There is a reason that when I recommended this, I recommended it to Comrade, the person who enjoys a very wide range of roguelikes. Yeah. It's a bit rougher around the edges in some regards. It's like the jump thing. And the jump is fine. It can be a useful tool occasionally, but it's not the thing you do all the time. And it comes with some interesting risk-reward benefits at points that are yeah. f are fun to toy with. The way relics will stack in interesting ways and in combos, it's very Isaac-y mm. sometimes. I love getting gold that multiplies and explodes every time. The popcorn gold is so fun. <laughs> I have had situations where I can go into a room and break open gold and it will start raining gold all over the field and that gold will multiply in some cases and every time gold hits the ground it explodes and then oh, sometimes yes. multiplies and then when i pick it up i'm shooting lightning at every enemy <laughs> in the room and it's wildly fun that bit sounds good i feel i will enjoy this game yeah but general movement isn't particularly great. It's not as moment-to-moment -moment satisfying to move and avoid attacks and to do your yeah. attacks as it is to play something like Hades. Oh, I hate this game now. If you were to remove all the roguelike elements and just hand someone a controller and go, which of these two feels more enjoyable to move and use your character in, Hades by a country mile. Yeah, like, I want to make a comparison to Isaac. It feels more Isaac than Hades. Yeah, oh, like, imagine if you were playing Isaac, but your movement speed never increased or decreased, and you always had the weird jump available to you. Oh. And you have a pretty effective melee attack at short range. 
that's what you're dealing with here on some level. Mechanically, structurally, in the moment-to-moment play, that's what you've got. Now, the progression system is pretty satisfying in the way they have it organized with the upgrades and how you purchase them and the percentage of gold loss. That's all really fun. I haven't yet run into the point where I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I should be saving money that I'm spending on the run to save for later. In fact, I'm well at the point where I'm like, "Mm, I've got more money. You know, I'm happy to roll over and not buy things at the hub in order to have a lot of money. Yeah. I almost always find starting with a little money at the beginning actually pays off pretty good because I'll come up short keys or short bombs Mm. and... Yeah. Uh, I I found a really nice um NPC while I was playing the other day that now lets me buy keys and bombs before I start a run. Yep. And that's been so nice. Yep. Now, it's not just keys or bombs. Yeah. They will begin to offer other things and that's unfortunate to a certain extent. Another aspect of undermine that I was very very mindful of is It's unlocking of relics, the items that you find in the dungeon as you progress. Dead Cells had this problem, and I think I've brought it up before. Yes. Where you kind of want to be mindful of how much shit you're unlocking, because there's a bunch of really solid stuff already available to you at the baseline. And it sort of makes me hesitant to experiment with stuff that I might not like because it's just going to decrease the probability that I will get things that I already do like in a run. I'll say this. I found that after I had played a certain number of hours, I ended up opting to, of my own volition, start a new save file, and it was pretty quick for me to regain my own progress because at that point I knew what sort of things yeah. were good and bad investments in that unlock system. Because again, you're, you're right with the um, the Dead Cells comparison. If you unlock a blueprint and it turns out to really not be your playstyle, that is one additional thing that is now in the pool of things that could come up. Yeah, that's something to keep in mind while you're playing, I guess, is, is what I would say. An observation that um, somebody that watches my stream pointed out, because I was playing this on stream a couple times this past week, the bosses are optional after the first one. Yes! And I killed the second one, and so now I've got two of those guardian gate things, but now knowing that they're optional, I've stopped killing them. So my understanding, and I've not finished the game, but my understanding is that you do eventually need to defeat them all. Right. Because you get medallions that I think open up the final area. Yeah, I guessed that, but my I guess my thinking, the idea of like, oh, well, that's the bad thing that's been sealed away. This is so obvious. Yeah. But like, I, I will say I like the risk reward of like the, the punishments for not doing the boss. They feel reasonable. Because like, for example, uh, you can skip the second boss of the game on a run by taking, I think it's like eight curses. Yeah, I think the... The one after that is you have to have 9,000 gold. Yeah. Which is totally achievable. By that point, that's very manageable by the time you get to the third boss. Yeah. I think there's a mini boss encounter for the next one. Yes. And that's actually challenging. But I managed to figure out how to do it on the second go round, and and that, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's all very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I've been really digging it. It's a roguelike I definitely have to recommend with some caveats, Mm -hmm. but I have been having a really good time with it. Yep, yep, that's where I'm at. 
Um, Laura, you barely talked about anything. Did you play anything this week? Yeah, thoroughly better than ever. You know who's barely talked about anything? <laughs> Jim. What's up? <laughs> what you played this week? I talked about mints. I was like, I was enjoying listening to you. I mean, I can keep talking if you like, but I'd like to hear about what you've played. Oh, I'm, you're, okay. you're a lovely one. Well, I played an interesting little indie game. Yeah? Ooh. Yeah, it was this little indie game called Taishogun Rise of Emperor. <laughs> Very interesting. Made by someone who wrote their own imdb page <laughs> yes they did yeah i i can't say they wrote the games because i don't know how many stories he plagiarized he basically said he was inspired by Orson Welles. <laughs> he, he was just throwing a little comparison a little you know indirect comparison very much like how he seems to have an indirect corporate address <laughs> um gilson b pontus is a fascinating thing Quite possibly a ghost, an actual spectre. Very hard to track down. Very shady. Tried to kill my YouTube channel. Oh! That was a bit of an issue for me. That, oh, that Gilson B. Pontus. That one, yes. The one that tried very methodically to take down your channel because they didn't like you saying that maybe their games weren't necessarily worth the money they were being charged for on a console and that they're a bit baffling. That's the specific little fucker. Yes. Gilson B. Pontus, a fascinating, a fascinating man. Once a year, every year, puts out a game on the PlayStation 4, (laughs) formerly PlayStation Vita, and I later found out several games I've been playing over the years, not knowing they were from him. (sighs) Multiple, multiple shitty games, but the ones that are credited to Gilson and not the other company, once a year, every year, first quarter of the year, somehow a PlayStation exclusive... Sony won't ever address the man or the situation. Uh, I once tried, got nowhere. What the fuck? I mean, the closest they'll get to acknowledging him is putting out official YouTube videos on the PlayStation (laughs) channel to advertise his uh, products. Delisting the one that got accused of stealing because it did. Gilson B. Pontus has been silent for five ye- for the five years I've covered him. Now, I don't know if it was some grand master stroke, like, oh, I'm going to wait five fucking years, and then, and then I'm going to take him down. Because if we're going spurious, there was enough within two years. So dragging it out over five is just showing off. Like, like that's just... Fucking David Zanatos from Gargoyles. Just pretending you've got a plan, but you're just stalling. So that was a little odd. And considering the fact that it was it really gonna work, like like for it to, if it was a long master plan, for it to have ended like that, bit of an anticlimax from their end, bit of an AEW revolution main event from their end. So there we go. However, if at first you don't succeed, Gilson, Gilson again. After I published the Jimquisition discussing how, well, I guess quickly run down if you don't know. He hit my channel with uh, takedown strikes on three consecutive days. I claimed a video on one day, then three, 
than the others. Something to that effect. So basically the plan was because a bunch of takedowns all counted as one in one day, staggered it out to three. Uh, and it came down to the it came down to the wire and it came down to me losing my fucking patience because YouTube was washing its hands of it. It's unclear if it's a violation. So I, you know, said, look, I want these videos up by the end of the day or, you know, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And then the videos went up. So, you know, could have been just pressure from publicity or, the, or that threat. Either way, it privilege wins the day. Because that's the only way you can get anywhere on YouTube or most places. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that should have been the end of it. But as I learned yesterday, <laughs> just before going to stream... Um, no, Monday, that was it. Just before going to stream. Uh, so it looked like I'd done it on purpose. Like I was Gilson, playing for Gilson Chess. But no, it was just bizarre two copyright takedown attempts yeah. um right like, sort of in the afternoon but this time youtube was savvy enough to pre-protect it so they didn't go through but i said he was lucky with the result he got and he wants to re-roll the dice so i'm gonna go i'm gonna see what i can do depending on where he's located and what we can find you know, he may be a ring wraith. I, I don't know at this point, but we're we're gonna we're doing our best to find out. I've got my lawyer on this, and if I can get him, then I will. Through as I've said, through every legal means possible, I'm gonna go after him because this is beyond the pale, and someone needs an example making of him. And I never thought it would be Gilson B. Pontus, but here we fucking are. What a shame! Just as I was starting to ironically venerate him. Dick. Oh. And he's a plagiarist. Yeah. Not two companies I don't trust either of them. <laughs> In my opinion. Oh. Allegedly. It was his to you having a quiet week, huh? Yeah, the game's shit, by the way. What? Let's get that bit out of the way. I replayed all of them that I have. I, I did the best of Gilson B. Pontus. The day the channel was at threat of being taken down by Gilson B. Pontus, I thought I'd stream all of his games. So, that... Didn't really make a point, but he didn't DMCA claim any of those bastards, so I win. Anyway, they're all bad. Going back over them is horrible, especially because now going back through them, his first game was the best. Spear of Destiny, the Kaiseki, at least the first one I played, it had a health bar. I wonder how much of that is because... After the first one, he decided to start doing annual releases and no longer gave himself the time to finish them. Oh, Sequelitis is AAA publisher. Yeah. Gilson AAA Pontus. The ultimate nightmare. He he took his time with the first one, maybe, and then was like, oh no, I've, I've got I've to hit my yearly release schedule mm. now. No time to implement health bars anymore. Well, it'll, it's what got WWE 2K20. So, well, at least that had hair. He can't do hair. He can't do anything. He can't do anything right. He failed. And his games are failures. And the best one was the first one because it had a health bar and a stamina meter and something that looked like a combat system. And you could walk on water, which was because it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it's... He doesn't know how to do what... Well, he later learned and then then made... You know... You know the Wind Waker? Yeah. 
a lot of it is is on the ocean. Yes. Right. Imagine that, but without the awesome music and slower. Or without the boat. Or without the boat. Or without any of it. And knowing when you reach your destination, there will be nothing for you. Nothing. Awful. Awful games. You know, the best one even makes me feel sick because it looks like the protagonist is wearing mouldy, filthy armor. Like it looks, it looks disgusting. His games are disgusting. And what he's tried to do is disgusting. And I've had some people being all, well, you know, should we be bullying? Should you have picked on his games? You don't know him. He might be trying to... He crossed a line. As someone who was put out for sale products on storefronts for... You know, I've sold books for like 15 plus pounds. Once you put something out for sale to the public at that price point... If they want to critique it and be as critical as they like, as long as nothing in there is factually inaccurate or slanderous, you've just got to let people have their opinions. They can think your thing is fucking dog shit, and that is their right to think so. I've been nice. I've mellowed over the years. There are all sorts of videos, worse titles, you know, like in terms of like having a go at the game, you know. Like, Rise of, uh, you know, this latest one, worst game of 2021, you know, the kind of stuff I used to write all the time. All I did was call this one Gilson B. Pointless. I mean, I get that that was, but he puts his name everywhere like Tommy fucking Wiseau. He's like a, he's like a bad Tommy Wiseau or a good David Cage. Uh. It deserves, his, his name's inescapable. You can't play a Gilson B. Pontus game without bringing up Gilson B. Pontus, the ghost of a developer whose name is there more than Kojima's. Yeah. But the opposite, like with all the layered systems and story and and just guff that's in Kojima games, it's just oblivion in a Gilson game. We're not even allowed health bars anymore in our Gilsons. Health bars are for the bourgeoisie. You haven't earned them. You're not allowed them anymore. Uh, why? What changed? Five years, what changed? Did he only just notice them? Uh, who the fuck knows? Fuck knows. Anyway, you know. I played another thing this week. Yeah? Oh. I played another interesting roguelike that's worth talking about. Ooh, okay. Oh, fuck. So... I've been streaming Undermine a bunch, and every time I stream it, I get people in the chat going, have you played Loop Hero? I knew you were going to say that because everyone asks me as well. Yeah, and I had been saying to the chat, like, look, I'm, I, I, you know, I want to do one roguelike at a time. I don't want to, I don't want to jump on this. And I had some time today and I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Let's have a look at what this is. And it's fascinating and I understand why everyone's asking about it. So... Loop Hero is a really interesting roguelike in that it is entirely stats and strategy based over skill of execution. It is set in a world that is being consumed by some malevolent force, and basically you're trying to put the world back together by remembering what is there. Did you just say remember what's there? Yeah. Mm. So have people been like recommending this to me as a fucking joke? Do they want to see me play it on stream <laughs> and be like, what the fuck's going on? No, you you don't have to remember anything. I'll I'll get to that in a second. So okay. you start with like a little cir- sort of circular-ish loop of map, and <laughs> your character will just auto-walk around in a circle around this, and there will be enemies you can see along the route, and when you get into fights with them, 
you will auto-battle them, and you have your stats that you've built up your character with, mm. and you will get some loot for defeating them. But as you go around, there is a deck-building element, so you build up cards in your deck and you start getting dealt cards, which you can use to change this route you're walking around. So you could do things like adding a little village that'll give you a quest and a certain enemy will be worth more rewards. Or you can put down a little graveyard, which will mean that every X amount of time skeletons will spawn on that point. Okay, hear me out. Tower defense mechanic-based roguelike. It's it's a tower defensey RPG roguelike. Okay. It sounds like something like a modular board game as well. Yes, that was also the thought I was having. Yeah. Yeah, so like the the gist of this is that most of the things you can put onto the board will have distinct pros and cons and the better the the positives the more negatives they'll usually come with. So, mm-hmm. for example, often things that have very big positives you can put one down on your board fine but if you put more than one down you start getting negatives there's a wonderful card you get early on that is like every time you do a lap of the the map a treasure chest will appear but if you put two of them down you'll start spawning ghosts on certain spots in the map which are tough enemies but you'll get twice as much loot every time you do a you do a lap and it's about trying to risk reward how difficult you're willing to make each given lap you are on in order to maximise the rewards you're getting, which you use to build up permanent upgrades in between runs. It's a really interesting little uh, system. Most of what you're doing throughout the run is collecting a bunch of weapons and armour and building out and specking out your character. There's only at any one time, like, I think something like eight to ten different stats you're paying attention to that are all listed on the side of the screen. There are things like percentage chance to evade attacks, percentage chance to counter, how much health do you recover per second as you're moving around the map, what's your, your attack stat, your defence stat. Perhaps the most interesting thing about it is the risk-reward nature of when you can choose to end runs of your own accord. So unlike a lot of roguelikes, you can choose to end a run early, and there are different ways you can do that. So basically, as you're collecting resources as you go around the map, if you die, you lose 70% of your resources, you only get to take 30% of them back. If you voluntarily quit a run, which you can do at any time when you're not in a fight, you take 60% of your resources back. If you wait until you finish a loop and you're on the, the campfire that signifies you finished a lap, you can take 100% of your stuff with you when you leave. Which leads to this real risk-reward of, let's say you're two-thirds of the way around a lap and you're like, I'm quite low on health, I'm quite low on health, I could be safe, I could leave the route now and take 60% of this with me, or I could gamble it and try and finish this lap out and take considerably more of my resources back, but if I fuck this up, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna pay the price for it. It's really interesting. Hmm. I'm really into Loop Hero. <laughs> I just bought it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel like it'd be very, very your thing. I'm very curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. I looked it up this morning, it's not on the switch, so then I cried and threw my switch out the window. That was my first thought, because this is one hundred percent the kind of game that would be great on Switch, because so much of it is the game auto-playing and you keeping an eye on things and pausing it every now and then to tweak, like, oh, I wanna add something to the board, I wanna add something to my character, okay, let it keep playing again. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a great second screen experience. Yeah, yeah. I I have been really enjoying it. I like the fact that Every time you complete a loop of the map, enemies that you've already placed down get a small difficulty boost every time you do a lap. So you can't just have a comfortable setup and leave it eternally going because 
the enemies are constantly getting knocked up just a little, just a little, mm-hmm. which keeps keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really nice. I am I I put like three or four hours into it today, and the time absolutely flew by, and I could see myself really going down the rabbit hole of this game. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'll be playing it. One other thing that I think is really nice, you have a limited set of inventory space, but the way that they handle it is, if you ever are supposed to pick some new gear up and you have no inventory space, it'll take whatever's been sitting in your inventory unused longest, which if you've not equipped it by that point, you're probably never going to, convert it into resources you can spend after the run to make space for your new stuff, which has worked out really nicely in practice. Hmm. So yeah, Loop Hero. Real, real, real recommend that one. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to try it. it. It does sound very good. Yeah, it's the kind of just paying half attention to it, but it, things keep happening that my brain really enjoys. <laughs> what about you, Conrad? What else have you played this week? All right, so I, I went, uh, I took a trip down memory lane this week. Yeah. Um, the other night I popped in Apocalypse. Which might be better known as Apocalypse starring Bruce Willis. (laughs) Because that is the only time the name was ever said in any marketing was as Apocalypse starring Bruce Willis. Uh, This (laughs) this is the game that used facial mapping uh, on the PlayStation 1 to have Bruce Willis as a playable character. And oh, fuck. Yeah. And all it is is just Bruce Willis saying. Just a few dumb one-liners that are repeated over and over and over again. It's amazing. Endlessly joyful. Things like, strap one on, it's time to jam. (laughs) Every time it's fun. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. It is true. He's saying what we're all thinking. Right. The story of the game, it is a, like, it's kind of, imagine the fifth element. I, there's a lot of aesthetic that feels like it was stolen directly from the fifth element, which is funny because then they hired Bruce Willis. Yeah. The United States is now being run ostensibly by someone called the Reverend who has implemented the theocratic system and 12 laws everyone has to live by. And it's all very fascist and you control Trey Kincaid, who used to be his research <laughs> assistant. Uncle Trey Kincaid. You break out of prison. You've you've been arrested and thrown in prison at the beginning of the game, and you immediately like. Well, first there's a kind of uncomfortable prison rape joke. It's not uh. not cool right uh. at the beginning of this. It's a shame that you transform something tidy in your head into a big fucking rifle and shoot your cellmate and blast your way out of the prison. Well, that's relatable. It's weird as hell. And as you go along, you encounter the four horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) And it is dopey and poorly written and just not... Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) I've not seen it in like over 20 years. And... It has one of my favorite female musical acts in it, Poe, mm-hmm. in between her first and second albums. <laughs> she appeared in this game. One of the tracks from her second album appears in this game in a different mix in a very early form. I was playing it in college and, you know, because I had to know what this fucking game was even then. Oh, sure. You know, all of the marketing was Apocalypse starring Bruce Willis. I'm like, this is going to be so bad. And I was not 
wrong then. It continued to be bad forever. But I'm playing along and I'm hearing this song loop because one of the things that the game did that is technically a little revolutionary is that it implemented digitized music video into the environment. And this is something that would later be done in the next game that the developer would make, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Mm -hmm. Because this is the engine for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why didn't we get our remaster of this? Right? (laughs) Activision, why are you hiding Apocalypse starring Bruce Willis? Can't afford to get Bruce Willis back, probably. Probably not. Well, they could barely afford Bruce Willis then, apparently. The original idea for Trey Kincaid was that it was supposed to be the secondary AI-controlled character in a, like a faux cooperative gameplay approach that actually might have been really interesting, but was abandoned at some point and in favor of making Bruce Willis the main character. But Bruce Willis's contributions winnowed away to just these crappy (laughs) (laughs) one-liners. And it's real bad. But then, of course... Unwilling to stop there at being reminded that, oh, that's right, Neversoft made this. I had to go think about, well, what else did Neversoft make? And Jim, Jim, do you do you know what the very first Neversoft game is? Let me have a look. No, 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 don't look it up. Don't look it up. Oh, well, then that blows my joke about it being a Gilson game out the water. Um, you are in, it's a, it's a licensed game. Oh, the Skeleton Warriors game. That's correct. Oh yeah, 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 cuz I've that game's pretty amazing because it's got nothing to do with the cartoon. It was clearly like based off the toy line because it was one of those toy lines where it was like let's throw everything out there. Mm-hmm. So, no cohesion, the toys don't look like the cartoon. This was Playmates still riding, you know, trying to find their next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Long like way too late as well. Way too late. These these toys were coming out in like 95 and 96. Yeah. As a result, a lot of this stuff is hard to come by now. So fuck me and all the other kids that weren't buying them enough back then. Actually, I was poor as hell. I'm exonerated. The rest of you listening can go to hell. This is why street sharks are expensive. So the Skeleton Warriors game, and I think that this will also help contextualize the game itself. This was a fun fact, I guess. Mm -hmm. A fun fact. And you've played it. This will be so unsurprising to you that it originally began life as a Mega Drive game. Oh, sure. Because it just, it feels like every cheaply licensed platform game released for the 16-bit era. Yeah, yeah, specifically not a good one, as you say. Like, their version of the lower middle rung sort of... Yeah. Just above bad at best kind of thing. Yeah. Not tre- not not unplayably bad just because a platformer is hard to completely fuck up. Right. And I will say that Skeleton Warriors as a platformer of this type is very ambitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangely, it has a block mechanic to deal with projectiles. Um, it, it has this mechanic where when you kill the skeleton enemies... They drop an item, and if you wait too long to collect the item, they'll reform and you have to kill them again. Yeah. It takes too long for them to reform, so it's like yeah. 
not a threat at all. Quicker in the cartoon. It is one of those games where the skeletons are less threatening than the little bats that fly around. Ah, uh, fuck it. That, that's, that's kind of funny and weird. They're not even skeleton bats. No. You have a, a ranged attack that uh, item pickups recharge, and so you can hold up to 100 rounds of that. Um, you can use your sword in favor. The sword is multi-directional. All your attacks are multi-directional. You can pogo jump on enemies. There's a surprising amount of nuance in Skeleton Warriors, which is unfortunate because it's in Skeleton Warriors. <laughs> and that, and that yeah. game is bad. I mean, yeah. Plus the whole license was pretty doomed. Yeah. The cartoon was really good. Mm -hmm. Like, holds up today good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not joking either. And it was good. One thing that was interesting is that it was set in a time where the bad guys had won. And back then, bad guys winning was like, Extreme Dinosaurs was frustrating as a kid. I'm like, there's no threat to the Extreme Dinosaurs. <laughs> they just beat up the same enemies every week and they run away and it's pathetic. That dinosaur's got a metal mouth. Why is he running away? Uh... If, if you like that, something you should look into, um, if you haven't watched it before, uh, is Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Mm -hmm. This was a, a toy line with a tie-in television show. I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it. It's from the mid-late 80s, and <laughs> it was a light gun game, basically. And they sold these toys. They, they were you know, futuristic jets, and they had light sensors on them, and you held them like assault rifles, basically, yeah. and pointed them at your screen while you watched the TV show or one of the VHS tapes that they sold. It was a time of some wild gimmicks. And But what's interesting is that the show itself really feels geared toward a much older audience mm. than the toys that the children are being marketed to. It really almost feels like an alien situation. It's not quite that dark, because it is still airing on broadcast television and syndication. Yeah. But there were storylines, and it is similarly set in a world where you you are... the Captain Power is a plucky resistance fighter in this Terminator-inspired world where <laughs> Lord Dredd has taken over with his cybernetic warriors. And it has some delightful, very, very early CGI that is just mwah, fascinating. Fascinating thing. You should really check it out. The episodes, I'm sure, are on YouTube somewhere. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. They did like three seasons of it, too, I think. Anyway. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Uh, has anyone else played anything else they want to talk about this week? Uh, I mean, I, I, for some reason I've been playing Genshin Impact. I don't know why I started playing it again. I was bored, I guess. I mean, the money. the the, the It's got all the free-to-play shit, which is a real tragedy, because it's a fucking good game. Like, I won't say it's better than. I won't drag that up. Yeah. But I will very sincerely say it's Breath of the Wild, but I enjoy it. Like, it's it's... It's a, it's a Breath of the Wild I can enjoy. It's a multi-platform Breath of the Wild knockoff that's mainly held back by the fact that it's a free-to-play gacha game. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Like, I keep getting all these rewards and I'm like, th this means nothing to me. All these currencies, like, a lot of it's bullshit and the paid stuff, like, all the cool stuff is, is there and it's, you know, loot boxes everywhere. 
it's a real shame. I am enjoying very sincerely playing it. And it sucks that there's just this atmosphere of, of every time you open a menu, just a reminder that you're not playing a, a game that was intended primarily for entertainment. Because they're not. I don't care. that Games like that, with that much shit going on, their first and foremost thing, they're off whale hunting. They got their harpoons out. Yeah. Even though, incidentally, it's really good. Yeah, it's a really good game that's held back by, hey, 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 would you like to spend lots of real money trying to get your favourite waifu to show up? Yeah, knowing all these other characters are there, like, hidden behind, and this, you know... This is the creep that I've been talking about. The Raid Shadow Legend style creep. The Yeah. You know, we're at a point now where Genshin Impact is a game. And as I said, a good one. But this character, there are like many characters hidden behind things, playable ones. All these heroes that you can get at random with currencies. It's, as I said last week, I've been playing these mobile games and I'm seeing all of it there. The major difference is the fact that Genshin Impact has gameplay and these mobile ones, these Raid Shadow Legends, you can literally press a button and and speed it up, double it, quadruple it if you want. Just yeah. they'll the game will play itself because the game isn't the important part of the game. The important part is yeah. buying more characters to watch them play the game. So yeah, Genshin Impact, very good game, but worrying signs of of the trend I've been dreading. I was just seeing something that you reminded me with the discussion of the loot boxes. I guess there's a Magic Legends MMO type action RPG thing that's out now, which I don't know. I've I lost interest in Magic the Gathering 20 years ago. I don't, I don't know, but I guess they've got a loot box system. One of the characters is only in the loot boxes. So that's super cool. Or one of the character classes. That's great. Love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love them. Ugh. Yeah. News? News. We've got a couple of bits of news. Updates on Activision Blizzard, because, you know, there's always updates about that. These are always positive. Everything is good. Yeah, yeah. The headline is Activision Blizzard boss Bobby Kotick is poised to earn a bonus worth millions of dollars while staff brace themselves for layoffs across Europe and America. $200 million specifically. $200 million fucking bonus that he's in line with. It's more than, you know, what the people would be earning that they're laid off. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Let me just do a little, let me just do a little uh, quick, uh, let me pull up the calculator here. You said $200 million. Okay, so that's a 200. That's $200 million. I mean, what do you say? Like uh, $50,000 a year salary? Why not? Why not? I mean, he earns about 30 to 40 mil and is paid 300 times more. Mm, and and they're, they're laying off hundreds of people? Uh, at least 190. Because, I mean, that, that kind of a bonus could support 4,000 people at a, a $50,000 wage. I mean, now that's, of course, not including benefits and so forth. So, I mean, let's let's just say 1,000. Yeah. 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 And, and let's not forget as well 
that Bobby Kotick literally doesn't need that money because he has hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of that $200 million already. Oh, shit. That's right. He has so much money. He's a billionaire, yeah. yeah. It's almost like every one of those people could be kept in employment and Bobby Kotick could still take home, like, $180 million probably. You know, it's, you know who does actually need that money? The people who are getting laid off, I'm guessing. I would suspect that they need that money. Oh, oh this is this is billionaireism on a micro level. Like, what we're looking at here is facing a choice between a dent in the 200 million he doesn't need yeah. versus jettisoning people. Yeah. He chooses to sit on his wealth and hoard it while ruining lives. And we just expand that from one corporation to America and welcome to billionaires, choosing every second of every day to let people starve to death, literally, in some cases, unable to afford their medical bills until they're fucking dead. They actively choose it because they could give so much of it away. They could pay, like, everyone that two... Like, one billionaire could have paid the two grand everyone fucking wanted this past year, and by the time they're done, interest will have made that money back for them. They'd be just as rich. Yeah. Yeah. This is how fabulously wealthy some of them are, and they choose to let the nation die. Just to sit on it, to just sit on the wealth. And some people hold them up as the real Americans. Yeah. So there was some news in this story about like what the affected workers, at least the ones in the US, will be receiving. And oh god, you know, we'll start with the things that are you know reasonable. Um, you know, a ninety days severance, health benefits for a year. That's something, and. A $200 gift card for Battle.net. <laughs> that is just... Well, I mean, no, here's here's the thing. They know that there's a tremendous black market for gift cards, so they're just going to allow people to go and sell their Battle.net gift cards to get money. Maybe. The thing that I was thinking of is, this costs them literally nothing That's to right. do, and who the fuck wants company digital store credit from a company that has just laid them off and put them at risk of financially not coping? Money launderers. Money launderers want it. This reminds me of the question I asked when Google congratulated everyone on a good job before, like at Stadia, before letting them all go, where I asked, are they getting off on the cruelty of it? Like, the cruelty is the point has been used to describe, a, a well, a lot of these fuck stains that seem to revel in hurting people. But when you do something like this, when it's out of the blue, we're just going to jettison you while the boss takes 200 mil he doesn't need, quite literally. Have a gift card to the company that just dicked you. Like, it seems like a joke. It's like giving a thumbs down voting against a minimum wage raise. The thing about the gift card is, in my head, it has the energy of, hey, well, we know you're going to have a bunch of free time coming Mm. up. Why not play some Activision Blizzard games? Yeah, it's a lockdown. It's going to be hard to, you know, hard for you to find a job. You'll be home. So many people are, and we've made so many, like, so much money off them. So we're really doing you a favour not charging you now. In fact, maybe we should split this like halves is. Like you give us a hundo for it. Oh. <sighs> Fuck it. So that's 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 a story. We had one other thing on the news. So you know we've talked about Marvel's Avengers a bunch recently with its whole um oh, sure. roadmap that is basically getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And yeah, that's what happens when you rush these games out, you actually end up yeah. delaying them worse. So 
you remember how back before this game launched, like a big selling point that they were like, hey, buy this game on PlayStation. We'll let you play as Spider-Man. Spider-Man's going to be in the game. Don't you want to buy a video game game that's going to have (laughs) Spider-Man? Fucking tools. Uh, Marvel's Avengers PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man content is officially delayed. (laughs) Won't arrive before summer at the earliest. This game will have been out for a bloody year before people get to play as a fucking Spider-Man. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. That feels like a thing they should have set up front. Like, hey, buy our game on PlayStation, we'll give you Spider-Man. Quote, unquote, you will need to still care about this game a year from now because we're not going to oh, give yeah. you Spider-Man at the time that you're playing it. Imagine how fucked these companies would be if there were actual trading standards. If there were actual regulations in place to just stop the the tea party they're having, the chimps tea party, where they just they're just fucking about, yeah, and making so much money off people in the process, just conning them. Right now, Spider Man doesn't have a date on their roadmap, even though their roadmap goes to. Summer and Beyond is the final segment. <laughs> Spider-Man's not in Summer and Beyond. I mean, I don't know what's... I, I was about to yell, it's fucking Spider-Man. Like, I, I don't know how much effort it takes to put Spider-Man in. But fucking hell. Like, that makes me wonder how much about that game has ended up broken that they, they're this behind. I mean, I know they're desperately trying to do their fucking relaunch. They're, they're trying. Do you think keeping... Because they're a reasons for them to raise that grind beyond the bullshit reason they gave um making the grind worse in the game do you think it's just to keep people like in there in the hope something will happen so that after all the fucking work doing spider-man at least someone will be around to play him i feel like that's a lot of it probably yeah it's just like we ain't got nothing we've got nothing to keep you here so we'll just raise the thing. We'll, we'll slow down you getting through the content in the hopes that you'll still be here when we give you the Spider-Man we yeah. promised. When slash if. I mean, that's the thing with all these this stuff. You can't call them roadmaps anymore. Yeah. You've, you've got to call them what-if stories. <laughs> the only other thing I had on the topic list, and this is just a very brief mention... Do you remember Super Seducer? That oh, fucking yeah. shitty Ben's Right activisty bullshit series? Richie something something. I am mentioned in the sequel. Yeah, you are. Wasn't I I vaguely remember, wasn't it about like threatening to bomb games journalists or something? Yeah, when the first Super Seducer came out, I was one of many who who didn't like it. And so in the sequel there's this scenario, because all of his stupid Things lead to different scenes. So there's one where he's on a phone with a guy who's listing all these critics uh, who are all gathering at a place as if I'd be seen with any of them. Um, <laughs> um, lists them off while Richard sort of comments on them. So, sort of, oh, I quite like that one. I'll, you know, get that one. And then he he says Jim Sterling and Richard LaVarona says, fucking prick. And God, it's one of the proudest moments of my life. And then the scene is him launching a missile at wherever we're all gathered, blowing us all up. Well, that's fun. Amazing. At least he didn't try and kill my channel. He just killed a fantasy version of me. So that lovely, wonderful man, he's making a new video game, Super Seducer 3, and Steam said, fuck off. His game's not loud on Steam. God, what must it have done? Yeah. What must it have done? I... How, 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 what do you, what game do you even make that Steam turns around and goes, 
Not this one. Yeah. So apparently it was explicit sexual content is why Steam oh, wouldn't okay. let it on there. They they described it it contains what they consider pornographic enough material that they won't let it on 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 the the service. Whole like gameplay sequences of just his balls and ass just a slap as he's just, you know, like that pounding it. Yeah, pounding it. The ruiner in it. Gilson, get out! He came a spying. Oh, Gilson be pounding it? Yeah, Gilson be pounding. Like that. You get it? Yeah. My favourite part of this story is Mr. La Ruiner, as of about three weeks ago, stated there was a 100% chance the game would launch on Steam. Oh, okay, cool. He guarantees it. Well, can we get him for false advertising? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if we can't get... Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. Steam's statement is they won't ship a game with sexually explicit images of real people. Right. Well, then, yeah, you just take the arse and balls out and then it gets up. <sighs> I just, I, it depends whether he wants to draw a line in the sand or, you know, draw a crack in the arse. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I think I think that's everything for this week. I think that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do. In that case, Laura, where can people see content that isn't not necessarily sexually explicit? I mean some of it is. I have that whole porn show. Yeah. You gotta keep that window open, yeah. Not necessarily, but I mean it's there. Me, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Our Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can find me every Friday on YouTube uploading episodes of Accessibility, which is just a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Also, there's now closed captions for the Jimquisition every week. Oh, that is true. Within sort of 60 to 90 minutes of the episode going live, so that is a thing. While you apologise for taking too long, when I'm like, this is... The turnaround's amazing. You're doing amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you reckon oh, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's books, Uncomfortable Labels. That's about being an autistic trans woman. It's out now. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. It's got video game characters and their butts and pictures of them and reviews of them. That's out now. Gender Euphoria is a book of just positive people going like, hey, I'm, I'm trans and here's a nice thing that happened that was good. Go read that. It's out June 10th, 2021. Also, there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt. It's about video game character pornography. Queer Unpleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games, if you want to hear my opinions on those things. And there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each season's its own story, so you can jump into whatever season you like, and it'll be its own little self-contained story. I'm on seasons three through season eight, which has just started. Also, Conrad, you were on some seasons of that. That's correct. I was on Dice Funk. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can watch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I stream four days a week and at different times. So there's probably a time that works for you. So come over and hang out. It's a lot of fun. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. You can also hear me on the podcast, Let's Talk About Snacks, where I talk about snacks with Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo. We just did an episode on jellied things that we made. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Mm. 
well, you'll listen. Uh, and uh, I have a Patreon that supports everything I do online. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? I can't imagine. Jim, it's you. Oh my God, what a surprise. Yeah, patreon.com slash jimquisition. You can go on there and have a look. Um, I need to rewrite the the actual summary on the page. It's well outdated. But yeah, yeah, there's that. I stream as well, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. They've been pretty good lately. The one we did on Friday, because I thought, fuck it, if he's trying to kill the channel, might as well capitalize. That stream was amazing. Thank you, everyone who went in there and, and did a real awesome. Um, and then when I went away to play with the thermostat, I come back and the chat's full of trans rights. So you'd love to see it. And yeah, that's that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And... <sighs> mints. Ah, oh, mints. Ah, oh, mints. Yeah.